Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy weather Gonna kick old trouble Out the door Beat out old trouble and drunk here we are, Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. We're back. The Empress Dale Bridge, the Dowager herself, is with us. How art thou, Empress? I'm reasonably well. I'm here, which is a start. Happy New Year. Well, Dale, I, I have to... I'm crying. <laughs> I'm crying with pleasure, Dale. No, it's not what listeners think. I have been given by Dale my favourite peanut slab from New Zealand. I am touched, Dale. Well, I am touched. I remember, you, I remember you mentioning it along the way sometime, and I saw they were, you know, it's no, no trouble at all. No trouble, well, Dale. I think we'll be working together for the rest of the year. So <laughs> <laughs> Phew. Now, we've got a very interesting guest, a woman I knew once in the non-biblical sense. She used to assist us with the anarchist world this week when I was a true... True bastard. So, <laughs> I don't know why she came today. But, but Larissa McFarlane, I would love. I'm pleased, so pleased you're here. I'm excited. You're excited. I'm nervous. <laughs> I stuffed it up. Dale told me to stop, you know, for the applause, right. and I stuffed it up. Right. Sorry, Larissa. Now, I'm not going to call you Lara, because every time I think of Lara, I think of bloody Lara out there near Geelong. No, I don't want to call you Lara. You so, don't think to Dr. Zhivago? No, I think no. of Lara outside Geelong. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference between you and me. You are a sensitive woman. I'm a peak. I'm a peak. <laughs> That's the difference. Okay. Now, Larissa, it's an easy interview. We only ask two questions. Okay. There is one dangerous aspect of this interview. Right. You're in a canoe with me and I have the paddle. Ah, uh, okay. So as we talk, and I see an interesting little tributary, we go down that tributary. Okay? That's fine. All right. But I'm not, I'm not going to make it easy, I don't think. Because my life's so complicated. Well, then we'll have to do part two. Because okay. for complicated guests, we bring them back oh, no. to finish their story. <laughs> so it's up to you whether you want to come back for part two, Larissa. Mm. Now, Larissa, just to, just to orientate <coughs> listeners, yeah. what year were you born? Um, I was born in 1969, right. but I was reborn in 1998. That's fine. I don't mind you being a Christian fundamentalist. We interview all types of people here. It's okay, Larissa. It's all right. It's all right. God will... And it had nothing to do with God, me I know, being reborn. I know that, but we'll, we'll talk about that. All so, right. so you're born in 69, 69 reborn... 69 in London. In London? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Really, really excited about that. Actor. You're born in London, really, yeah. Larissa. That's amazing. At what hospital? Um, Perryvale Maternity in Ealing or how, Middlesex. How come actually. you weren't a, a midwife delivery, eh? I probably was. 
but yeah, it was in a hospital. Were you difficult or something? Did you cause trouble for your mother from the very beginning? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was a bit difficult, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because. Yeah, only difficult births are born in hospital in those days in England. In England? Mm. Really? I think all babies were born in hospital in England then. No, no. Oh. no I could be wrong. I ah. usually am wrong. You'd know you were there. <laughs> I was. <laughs> oh, right. Now, what's the first thing you remember about life on this planet before your rebirth in 1998? Oh, my goodness. Actually... That's quite an interesting question. Um, well, that's why we ask it. No, <laughs> because it just suddenly came to me that I do have this memory which is quite um, bizarre. bizarre. Yes. Really. <laughs> say the word bizarre. And yes. a bit relevant to 3CR All or right. to my days at 3CR yeah, in yeah. the 90s, which we'll get to. But, um, yeah, at kindergarten, I remember saying to my mother, so I was probably about three, four, and mm. I said to her, I don't want to go to kinder anymore. I don't like it. I don't want to go. And she said, that's fine. You just have to go in there and tell them. So... My kindergarten teacher uh, was Felicity Kennett. Oh, Felicity. Good and Felicity. I went up, and I didn't like her. And yeah. I went up to her and I said, I don't want to come to kinder anymore, yes. Miss Kennett. I don't know why I called her Miss because okay. she was married. But anyway, yeah. and, and she sort of said, well, that's a stupid thing to say and walked off. And I didn't know what to do because she hadn't actually given me permission to leave and she hadn't addressed anything I'd said. And so I just stood there a bit lost and I stayed. You stayed. And that was my earliest memory. So that's, that's the story of your life. But <laughs> what happened between Norton and Three? What were you doing in Melbourne at Three? Uh, you so were born in London. Yeah, we came out to, um, came, I came to Australia. My parents came back to Australia. Oh, so they right. were from England, came to Australia, met here. And went back to England and then decided, actually, Australia is much better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we cook, um, we caught a plane and arrived at Tullamarine Airport and only just opened. And it was actually two days after the Westgate Bridge fell down as mm, well. Which is very unpleasant. Mm. A lot of men died in that. Yeah, but, but Larissa, I'm, I'm a bit confused here. I'm usually confused when I talk to interesting people. I get, <laughs> I, you know, I get, I get blinded by their brilliance. So, <laughs> so Larissa... Why do they come back? <laughs> well, uh, I went back to England when I was 20 and just thinking I was English and went, actually, no, Australia is a better place. Did you? So I don't know what they saw, but, but uh, yeah, right. I can believe that they went, actually, Australia is better. Now, now I understand that uh, public interest before corporate is we're going to approach you to stand for Parliament for the next, at the next federal election. You're such an interesting interesting person, but are you going to renounce your British citizenship, young Larissa? (laughs) (laughs) Are you? Come on. I don't really have any intentions of standing for Parliament. You don't? No. So you're not going to renounce it. You like your European passport, do you? That's not something I really think about because I see myself as an international citizen. You see, bloody anarchists, you're all the same. (laughs) (laughs) You don't recognise national borders. (laughs) You're all the same. So... You stayed at kindergarten. I did. Obviously. I did. I finished kinder. You finished kinder. <laughs> you got your certificate on the wall. And, and uh, where did you go to primary school? I went to Deep Dean Primary. So oh, I'd yeah. Nobody knows where Deep Dean is. Tell them. Uh, it's in Baldwin. Mm. Um, it's the working pl- class part of Baldwin. <laughs> is it? I don't know. I haven't been back there. Um, you should go back. And I'm sure it's not. Is it? Mm. Oh. Um, if you come from Deep Dean, well, really, you're not really from Baldwin, are you? Um, it's funny, I was thinking, uh, no, anyway, <laughs> I won't go ahead. So, yeah, my, my, <laughs> my, my parents had moved to Kew by that stage. Cuba? Kew. Oh, Kew, right, okay. 
And I'll get your um, hearing aids, batteries re- recharged. <laughs> Cuba would have been fun. That's what I thought. They, they left it behind in Cuba and they Maybe went to Cuba. I'll have to get you to start wearing them headphones so you can actually hear me. Well, that could have been a joke, you know. <laughs> yeah, let, let's say he meant that. <laughs> Look, I've known Larissa for a long time, so we get on really well. Now, so where do you go to primary school? Deep Dean Primary. Deep Dean Primary, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, I quite like Deep Dean Primary. Did you? Yeah, yeah there's you? quite a diverse um, mm. mix of people yeah. at Deep Dean, which I really appreciated because then when I went to high school... Hang on, hang on, oh. hang on. I haven't finished. I oh. asked the question. <laughs> did you excel at anything at primary school? Oh, I did. In prep, I won the spelling prize. Really? I have no idea what words they got us to spell when I was right. four years old, right, right. but... I won it, and I then thought that I was the best speller in the world. Uh-huh. And, and I actually think that helped me throughout my life, because I still think that I'm a brilliant speller. I have no idea. If, I don't think I'm that great, well, but I think I am because I got that award. Well, that's right. You've stumbled on the secret of success. Positive reinforcement <laughs> right. at a young age. It's yeah. carried you through. Yeah. All right, so deep Dean, you're kind of an average student. No, I wasn't. Why? You weren't? Oh, no. No. <laughs> I was. I loved studying. Did I loved you? learning. Did I loved you? my classes, except yeah. sport. Didn't like sport. Um, yeah, and I was. I, I. I enjoyed it. Really, I did well. I did so well that unfortunately I often got bullied for being the teacher's pet. Oh. Because when you get good marks, teachers That's like right. you. I understand. Look, I'm, I'm yeah. the same as you. Oh really? I had the same problem. <laughs> you know, I had the same problem. Us geniuses, you know, we always have the same. I couldn't problem. really get it because I just actually really liked. Learning. Yeah. It was fun for me. It is fun. Yeah. Especially when you've got a terrible home. <laughs> I had a great home. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> we even had encyclopedias and everything. That's right. We all had encyclopedias. No, we didn't. Lots of people at Deep Dean didn't. Exactly. That's what I told you. It wasn't the right part <laughs> of board. I kept telling you that. So I was really aware quite young yeah, that, yeah. that right. I okay. had privilege because right. I had an encyclopedia. That's right. So did you get a scholarship to a private school? You were so good at primary school. No, I wasn't that clever, I don't think. Or maybe I was. I don't know. So I didn't. where did you go to high school? So um, I, my parents were determined to send me to a uh, co-ed school. Yes. And there weren't that many of them around. And the only one that was close, and it had to be close, mm. and the only one was Q High. Yeah. And I was terrified of going to Q High because the rumour was that all girls were pregnant by the time they were 16. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant at age well, 10. But they were pregnant, but you knew what But I knew I didn't want to do that. No, you didn't. And <laughs> I didn't know how to stop it. Right. So I was desperate not to go to... So I was campaigning hey, to... Excuse me. So... Didn't you get the little talk at home about the birds and the bees? I did, but I still didn't. You didn't quite connect it. Get how you stop doing it. I don't think they taught you contraception when right. you're a kid. Oh right, you only right. get taught how to make babies. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So you thought if you went to Q High, you would get pregnant before you're 16. Yeah, because that's what happened. Yeah. How old were you when you left primary school? Uh, ten. Ten. All right. A bit young, aren't you? A bit uh, I was young for my age. Yeah, I wasn't were. precocious. No. Yeah, yeah, um, just young. I was just young for my yeah. not not young for my age, young for my year. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that's the trouble I was a bit behind genius. socially. That's, that's the trouble. When I you're wasn't a genius. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of they escalate you, and before no, you know I just it. fell in the wrong bit of the year yeah, with my right. birthday. So how did they get you? So that? then, luckily, luckily. Or, or unluckily, I'm not sure. No, luckily, probably yeah. um, the school down the road, the private school. Mm. It was a boys' school. It right. went co-ed oh. the same year that I was. Oh. Going right. to my Form 1. So, so that was Kerry Baptist Grammar School. Oh, that's nice. So <laughs> you thought that the, the boys at the public school 
were a little bit more direct than the nice private boys, and you wouldn't get pregnant by the time you were 16. I don't think I thought through all that. You didn't think that? I just was like, I don't want to get pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what was life like like at high school? Brilliant student again? Teacher's pet? Yeah, I wasn't brilliant, but I was pretty good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, look, it was much the same. I missed, I felt like it was... I miss the diversity of Deep Dean Primary and all the interesting different people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit of a monoculture. Yeah. yeah. And White bread school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and a few Asians. Um, oh, right. And, and a few Baptists as well. Baptists? Because um, <laughs> they got reduced fees to go to oh, Kerry. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah. That's nice. So, yeah, it was okay. You know, I, look, I, yeah. Right. They had a great music department, and right. music was one of my big passions. Really? So, I oh, loved music. What did you play? What did I, you sing? I, no, I did sing for a while, but I wasn't so good at that. Um, I played mostly piano and flute. I uh-huh. was in the orchestra and the band and this and that. and <sighs> Yeah. And obviously you're a brilliant student also. Um, well, yes. No, I wasn't actually that good at music. I just really loved it. Um, no, but, but I, I mean... Really but good. I mean in school, you're a brilliant student. Maths you? and science, really good. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. very yeah. logical, deductive woman. You know, <laughs> you know that you can't get pregnant at Kerry, but if you can at Q, sort of high school. I worked out how to avoid it. I think by, by the time then. I reached okay. sixteen. All right. All right, here's the big question. The big question: What was your HSC score? How bizarre! You know, I think I know this answer, but no one has asked it of me in. 30 years. This is a bizarre interview. It is, Hello. you're right. Shall I make it up or shall I tell no, you the tell truth? No, tell us the truth. It was 376. Out of 400. I don't know what it was out of. It was weird because you know how if you did extra yeah, subjects, you yeah. could get extra Well, you did, you did extra subjects? Yeah, I did music as an extra right. because against their... against Their advice. Yeah, because yeah, women know. couldn't really handle that. I mean, they told me that I shouldn't aim for medicine. That's what I wanted to aim to do. Yeah. That I should set my sights lower. And Is I was it? like, that's ridiculous. Exactly. And I'll play music. Yeah. 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 So I did yeah. it as an extra subject. Yeah. And, and did you get into medicine? And I did get into medicine. Oh, my God. I know. What a genius. Really? Uh, you got into medicine. I'll tell you what, there weren't that many geniuses in my medical school. Well, there usually aren't. We're pretty dull, boring people normally. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I will tell you a story of the type of medical school I went to. I went to the University of Queensland in 1971. There'd been... Huge riots at Berkeley University, and the new chair of the anatomy school had come from Berkeley. <laughs> and uh, he rounded up about three or four of us that looked the radical types, you know, because I had hair down to my navel and big bushy beard. And, and, he, and, we, and we thought this was a bit strange. We had an interview, and he said, uh, You're not thinking of occupying the anatomy school, are you? <laughs> and we said, hey, We hadn't, but that's a good idea. <laughs> So I assume you went to a more moderate medical school in the 90s? It was 87. 87. So um, where did you go? I went to Melbourne Uni. Oh, very nice. The top very one. Very nice, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was... And, mm. and you did how many years? I ended up doing five years. Five years. I remember that because that's when I met you first, wasn't you a student? Or just no, after? it was sometime after that. Sometime after. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I I did struggle in medicine. Why? I got to med school and I I had found school quite a bit confining, mm-hmm. and I was longing to leave school mm-hmm. um, so that I could you know express myself. Right. Um, <laughs> there were no such things as gap years in eighty seven, were there? 
Uh, no. No, you just so, went straight ahead. So I went straight to uni and yeah. expressed myself. And you, and you would have been 16. 17. 17. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, the other medical students weren't so keen on expressing themselves. So how did you and express so, yourself, Orissa? Oh, look, nothing outrageous, really. It was just, you know, I started just, I just was an individual. Did you wear bright clothes? I wore bright clothes. Actually, I did go through a black phase, but that only lasted about, you know, yeah. a few months because yeah. it's Goffs. really boring uh, being black. Lab. Oh, it is boring. And I started, you know, dyeing my hair yeah. and right. piercing my ears. I right. think I was the first person at Melbourne Uni to ever have their nose pierced. Right, right. That's um, nice. I know. Very I thought it was nice. quite good. Yeah. Um, it's good to good on the curriculum vitae. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. It didn't go well at med school, um, with my nose piercing. But yeah, and I, I got involved with. I, after realizing that a lot of the medical students were um, not as interesting as other students, mm-hmm. I started hanging out with other students, and I started engaging with the sort of, I suppose, the political landscape of the university a little bit. What? There was a political landscape of, at oh, Melbourne University I, in the late 1980s? Well, probably, I mean, for me it was, oh, because okay, I'd come okay. from a place of really pretty much, Kerry you know, Baptist no College, politics. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I remember seeing a poster that said, do we need a revolution? And I was like, oh, that sounds quite interesting. I never, <laughs> I never thought about whether we needed a revolution. I'm 17. Yeah. Um, so I thought, First year oh, medical school. I'll go to that meeting. And you went to the meeting? And it was uh, run by the International Socialists. Oh, how boring. And I was rather, I was intrigued actually You're because intrigued. all they wanted me to do was sign pieces of paper and yeah. sign up and I was yes. like, I'm not having any of that. Nah. Um, but I found the culture really interesting yeah. in this meeting. Mm. And so the next day when I'm off to medical school and one of the medical students said, so what did you get up to last night? I said, oh, it was fascinating. I went to this meeting with these really crazy people and um, talking interesting stuff but their behaviour I don't know about that <laughs> and anyway and he, he said I told him it was an international socialist meeting and he said if I was you I wouldn't tell anybody else about that and he never spoke to me again for the next five years really and that's when you're I went you're a very mm. fortunate woman mm. well very I, fortunate. I do feel fortunate yeah they didn't speak to you for five years <laughs> you're very fortunate so yeah so so you went to so, obviously, you were doing clinical work if you went to fifth year in the I local did. hospital. Yeah. And what did you think of the clinical work? Well, I had have good thoughts and bad thoughts. So, I chose, I was probably one of the only medical students that chose to go to the Austin because mm-hmm. the Austin was your last on your list of if you wanted to, to go to your clinical years. But mm-hmm. I'd heard it was a bit more relaxed than the other hospitals and a bit more progressive. So, I went out to the Austin and I look... In many ways, it was great because we got to meet patients and that was what I was there for. Mm. Um, But on the other hand, um, I found that the establishment, the medical school, was um, really starting to manage my behaviour and starting to direct what I wore and how I dressed and I was told to shave my legs. Um, Do you want to see my legs? (laughs) Not, no, not Shave under my arms even no, no, because on, it was hang unprofessional. On, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Oh, I want to no, go back a few. This is very interesting. So what year was this? This is fourth year. Yeah, but what oh, year? Oh, 1991 because right. I had taken a year off mm. actually mm. in between, mm. so I'm like a year behind now. Because mm. I was at the Austin for a number of years. And, oh, uh, were you there then? No, no, I was there from 77 to 82, I think. And I, I was actually in the middle of taking the hospital to a um, to court regarding Ooh. them asking not allowing me to do some uh, 
some very interesting lecturing because of my hair. So it's interesting. So oh, it they had a problem with your hair as well. This was 82. So 10 years later, they're still down the same track. So you yeah. actually, who asked you to shave your legs? Not the person, but... Uh, it was like the, the head of the, the school at the Austin, the medical school. To shave your legs. To shave my... Cause, so I started wearing long skirts then mm. to hide my legs because I wasn't mm. going to shave my legs. No, no, no. Um, but then I was told that mm. long, long skirts were unprofessional. Mm. Um, you need to see a doctor's underpants. I understand that. You have to wear short skirts. That's right. If you're yeah, a woman. That's right. Yeah. 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 And this is, people understand this. This is the 90s. Yeah. The early 90s. What it yeah. was really like. Yeah. How difficult it was for people who are a little bit different to actually survive medical school. Yeah. Very difficult. And I wasn't that different. I was No, you weren't that different. different. You just. Just a little bit. A bit of colourful clothes and that was it. And didn't shave your legs. So what? Exactly. Oh, do you shave your legs now? We don't allow women to be stupid. <laughs> Isn't that right, Dale? If they don't shave their legs, they're not allowed in. Oh, shit, I better get out then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind if you shave your legs or you don't. I didn't want to. Fine. Okay. <laughs> now, what happened in 50 year medical school? Oh, look, 50 year got a bit more serious, I think, mm. in terms of the culture of medicine because I, you do rotate, I did a rotation at the Royal Children's Hospital mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I found that incredibly conservative yeah. and and that was where I really started seeing quite a bit of racism and classism and the mm-hmm. way that because you're supposed to uh, em- copy and emulate the, your superiors the doctors yes, you stand right. around the bed and you mm-hmm. have to do and behave exactly how they that's do right, yeah. and I was finding that really difficult because mm-hmm. it was wrong mm-hmm. um, and then my next rotation was um, at La Rundle doing mm-hmm. psychiatry mm-hmm. and that was horrifying for me um, to see the way people were being treated and that psychiatry didn't seem to have a lot of psychiatric... Empathy. Sci- well, no, no empathy. But they also didn't seem to have a lot of scientific no. basis to no. what they were doing mm. and how they were treating people and mm. drugging people up, keeping them locked up, mm. um, isolating them. At this point, too, I actually had some people I knew who were in the locked ward because outside of medicine I had a... I, all through medicine, I'd had a group of friends who had ended up using drugs. Right. And, and so some of them had ended up in the hospital. And no one knew this because right. I was pretty sure that if people in medical, higher up in the hierarchy knew this, I would be kicked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had, was then trying to avoid going to tutorials in the locked ward because right. I was terrified that the say, patients would recognise me. They'd say, what, and, is what are you doing here? And medical students aren't supposed to know people. No, that's right. In those days, we yeah. were, you know, only supposed to mix with each other. So what happened? What happened in fifth year? Oh, uh, so then, so then I decided I was really not coping and I wasn't enjoying it and I needed another year off because I'd had a year off earlier and had felt like I'd got my feet back on the ground in the real world Mm because I felt like in medicine I wasn't in the real world. Um, And so I applied to defer at the end of the year and they said no. So I tried again and I went to several departments and they just kept saying no. And then then I ended up doing my... um, um, my my ONG, obstetrics and yes. gynaecology, and mm. unfortunately there was a man there who mm. thought he was God and he right. was rather atrocious. Mm. I don't know if I should mention his... Well, I no, probably you should. Can't, no, you can't, oh, I can't. mention his name. No, no. I don't want to be sued today. <laughs> that was yesterday. Just because he thought he was God. Anyway. Um, well, you know, the guy could get upset. There's hubris. <laughs> Remember that hubris, you know, the old Greek. Yeah, he, may, he may have got his comeuppance by now, so you don't have to give it to him. Go uh, on. Anyway. So, so what happened between you and God? 
Uh, oh, I don't know. No, no. Words. No, he just treated me badly. I don't know. I think I just suddenly one day just went, I don't have to do this. Yep. I don't have to put up with being treated so badly. Mm. And I don't have to treat put up with, um, I don't think this is the place for me. Mm. Um, I looked around and I saw, I mean, there are good people in medicine yep. and there yep. are people who can, you know, speak up yep. and be the sole voice, mm. but I n- knew that wasn't me and right. I knew that um, I'm, I have really strong ethics um, and they're very important to me and my integrity is really important to me, but I actually do need community around me right. to, I'm not good at standing up by myself, even though I end up keep keeping on doing that Mm. but I don't like it so anyway I saw the light and I just suddenly went I could leave because until that point there was so much pressure to stay you know you're a medical student and this is so important it's it's so important and I was planning to finish and Mm. then go off and be my own sort of doctor but at in that fifth year I suddenly realized that you never I'm never going to escape or at least not for many years escape this sort of establishment and it was making me unhappy Mm. and I think that I could thought I could be of better use elsewhere. Mm. wasn't sure how, but right. yeah. So, what did you and do? I was also quite depressed by this point as well. Well, we won't go into that. I don't want to make you cry. Why not? I'm not. I'm no, no, not. no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to get depressed. <laughs> but obviously, you were depressed. You've yes. been through these five years. You've had. Yes. You've had these. Sec- you've had these uh, feelings that you're really not in the right place and. You know, people aren't treating you in the way with the respect you, you, you deserve, and obviously you're depressed. You got a reactive depression. Mm, it was. You're not God. God was in the O and G department. <laughs> yeah. All right. Although interestingly, I wasn't. It was never described to me because I did. I was forced to go and see a psychiatrist yes, yes. by the medical school, mm. and it was never described to me as reactive depression. Mm. It was that you know there was something wrong with me. That's right. And I kept saying no. It's because I don't want to be here. That's right. Um, yeah. And so, of course, when I left, you know, unfortunately by that stage I was on some drugs, but mm, got yeah, off them. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I got better because I wasn't in the environment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You felt better. So what year was that? That was in 1992. Right. So when did I meet you? Um, 1994 or Four. five. Was it here through 3CR? It so, was. So when did you turn up at this place? Well, it probably wasn't that long after I left medicine. Right. So I was sort of... I didn't know what to do with myself. Right. I had no idea. Mm. Um, but I had always loved the radio. <laughs> yes, loved the radio. I I'd like always it. loved the radio. Right, yeah. Yeah. Ra- you wanted to be a radio star. No, I didn't want to be a radio star. I just oh. liked the idea of radio. Right, right. So I thought I'd come and hang out here. And in fact, the first time I came to say I want to come and volunteer here, I was said, well, what radio show do you want to do? It's like, I don't want to do a show. Well, this was the 90s. Obviously, we needed people. And I, so they was, I was rejected. Yeah. And fortunately, I came back and tried again. And I said, look, I just want to, you know, do stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. but not radio. I don't want to be on air. Yeah. And so they accepted that. Yeah. So I got to hang out and... Do what? Oh, you know, I did the phones. Yeah. And then I started um, editing interviews. Wow, um, that's got technical. Got skills. Oh, that's technical. So yeah. when, did, when, did, when did they throw you in with me? Well... Ah, it had, for before that, I'd also been volunteering at Friends of the Earth right. and doing quite a bit of stuff there, mm. and Friends of the Earth decided to do a radio show. Right. So I was like, okay, I must do it, because I already know how things work. Yep, yep. I must do it. So then I suddenly found myself on air. Right. And 
I don't actually even remember how I came to work with you. Another do I? No. I don't think it was a... I think you were just thrown in here one day. The other person had left. I think Steve had gone off on his merry way. That's right. Yeah, he'd gone off. He had, he had a real job. He was co-hosting and he disappeared. And I think Michael Smith, he came later. He was after me. He was after yeah. 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 Mm. So how long did you last for? Well, I think I lasted... I don't know. You <laughs> should know this. Am I supposed to know? Didn't I do it right up until 1998 when That's I was right. reborn? That's right. That's right. Six years. Well, it was well, five, quite a few years. Five years, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. This is incredible. This is, this is one of those reunions you see on the movies. <laughs> Larissa, <laughs> you're back. <laughs> now, lock the door, please. <laughs> this is event radio, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it's 4.31. This is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program... Larissa is podcast for all eternity. <gasps> so if you miss it, you can podcast it. You can listen to it on the podcast. So be careful, Larissa. Yeah. And it's also... Because sh- you know that stories are only stories. Like the stories yeah. we tell, they're mm. just stories. I could That's be getting right. it all wrong. And there'll be people out Who there cares? going, that didn't happen. Well, and yeah, it, they were wrong. You know, They so weren't in the studio. If you, to, to, perception is reality. Yeah, <laughs> That's it right. Is, yeah. <laughs> they're all wrong, Larissa. What do they know? So you were reborn in 98? Yeah. What happened? So in 1998, do you want to know any of the other stuff that happened before? No, it gets skipped to the, the reborn bit. Yeah, yep. because look, people, people are interested in you now and I'm okay. just trying, I, I could do a two hour interview if you want. You want a two hour interview? No, but I think it's important or to say, tell us what you want to say that yeah? before 1998, yep. after I left medicine mm. in 92, mm. so those years, yep. um, I did become an activist. And Really? Yes. That's hard to believe. You're here at 3CR, you're working with me and you became an activist. <laughs> you can't come off. No, I, well, I suppose that's obvious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. but, but well, I what did you do? What did you do? I, want to say, I think it's just important because, yeah, actually it's pretty obvious, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll skip that. No, no, tell us, tell us highlights. Highlights. <laughs> highlights. Package highlights. 92 to 98. Well, um, I reckon two highlights. Yep. That, so in 1998, I thought I died. And I was like, well, thank God, I, I achieved these two amazing things. Right. I looked back on my life and I yeah. went, uh, probably about 1995, I think it was, um, a group of us decided to start a critical mass in Melbourne, mm-hmm. which had started a, preview, pre- a few years previously in um, San Francisco. And this was a, a monthly bicycle ride through the streets mm. en masse. Mm. And so... Ferals. Go on. Um, no, there weren't, there wasn't really ferals. We were well, very well behaved. We followed all the right rules. We were safe. So we we spent a lot of time practicing on how to keep people safe. Anyway, it was a pretty exciting time. And I think... All you need is a shotgun on the other end of the... What, what? Just need a few guns surrounding you. You, It's usually to keep you safe. That might have been your method. (laughs) But go Um, on. on. So yeah, I was a quite a passionate, um, sustainable... An instigator. Yeah, I was one of the... The, there was about four or five of us. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. I'm a very founding proud of that member, moment. Critical I was a founding member. And then we just let it go and it just became its own thing because yeah. that was the idea was That's for it to idea. be owned. Yep. There were no leaders. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We Brilliant. Were. And the other thing? And the other thing was that I had got involved with um, in the anti-uranium movement mm-hmm. and particularly um, Roxby Downs in South Australia. Yep. 
and the impact it was having on um, Arabana country mm. and the Lake Eyre. Yep. And I'd been going there each year, taking people um, as part of exposure tours and um, doing some protests at Roxby Downs. And one year we decided to put on a, um, a music festival mm-hmm. in the middle of the desert. Yeah, good idea. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe it'd be easier today. I don't know. Technology and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was a pretty crazy idea and we pulled it off. Excellent. And, um. And you're an instigator of that too, were you? Yeah. That's disgusting. And I managed to get almost all, all the bands to come and play for free, oh, which brilliant. is remarkable, I uh, think. Can I ask a personal question, Larissa? Yeah. Um, did any spectators turn up or were the bands watching the bands? No, there was actually <laughs> quite a few people turned up and it was called Rock Stop. Right. Um, I mean, you know, who knows? But it was it was a big event in a the middle of event. nowhere. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I hope you had water. Yes, we did. Good. Well, that's good. So anyway, this, yes. this reborn. We're all interested yeah. in this. Did you see? The, did you see the the lights or what happened? No, I just uh, was pretty pissed off. What happened? Didn't see any what lights. Happened? So yeah, I was. Um, I was riding my bicycle, of course, mm-hmm. and I got hit by a car. Right. Um, and was this in Melbourne? This was in Melbourne. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I sustained some broken bones and a brain injury. A brain injury. Yes. I won't ask you about the helmet. I was wearing a helmet. You helmet, well. Yeah. So um, you must have been hit really hard. Oh, I'm not really sure because I can't really remember. If it. you had a helmet and you got an associated brain injury at your age, that's. Uh, so I was 29. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah, you must have been hit really. I hard. did fly through the air. Mm. Did they uh, stop? We don't know. Uh, I think so, and I think mm. he got a hundred dollar fine. Did he? Yeah. Oh, right. Um. Come on, you got a life sentence. <laughs> I sort of. Well, it was certainly seven year sentence. Seven year sentence. Yeah. So. Yep. so what, you woke up in hospital? No, I did wake up on the road. Right. And um, very confused. Right. Yeah. And my brain injury was actually missed to start with, as were several of my broken bones. Um, well, let's, 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 which hospital did they take you to? Uh, Melbourne, was it? Box Hill. Box Hill. So when I was at primary school, at yeah. Deep Dean Primary, my yes. mother used to say, because she was very yeah. always prepare for the worst sort of person, yeah. and she would always say she sent us off to school. Now, if you... If you get hit by a car or if anything happens, don't let them take you to, to Box, Box Hill, Hill Hospital. And she was right. And so I'm in the ambulance and I said, where are you taking me? And they said, Box Hill Hospital. I'm like, no! Because <laughs> <laughs> St. Vincent's was full or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, so you a, they missed the head injury? Yeah. And what broken bones did they miss? Uh, I had a clavicle that right. was quite um, badly broken. and mm. um, it's, So I got sent home and I think... What, the, the same day? You admitted? Uh, no, I don't think I was. Right, okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then I got sent home and I it's very hazy for me mm. um, because obviously brain injury makes you very confused mm. and I didn't have, I, re, I was terrified because I didn't know what was going on right. and I couldn't work out why I couldn't understand what anybody was saying to me. Right. I still could speak. Mm-hmm. So I could pretend that yeah. everything was fine because it seemed really important to me to pretend that I was fine. So how long before you went back to hospital? Um, 
I'm not sure. I ended up doing uh, six months of rehab at Bethesda, right. but that was as an outpatient. Right. And I did end up having to have some operations on the broken clavicle. Right. So um, obviously, yeah, yeah. And that was quite MRI, some time later. MRI, scan, all that stuff. Yeah. And did that, that show anything? Um, no. So I think the brain injury was a type of injury called diffuse axonal injury. Yes. Which yes. doesn't show up. It That's might do right. today, yeah. but um, yeah, at the right. scans back. 19 mm. years ago. So basically uh, you're a brain crushed into the bone and then crushed Sh- back. and Sh- Shaken around. And then bang, 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 like a little ball. When you throw a, a, a ball in a squash court, that yeah. was your brain. Yeah. And so all the um, the connections between the brain cells stretched. get stretched and cut mm. and sheared and yeah. then... So the communi- so the brain cells can be fine, but mm. they can't communicate with each other. Mm. So it took a very long time to How rebuild those... How long did TAC accept you pretty quickly or did you have to fight to be accepted under the Transport Accident Commission? I think everybody gets accepted quite qu- gets accepted quickly. Mm. Um, it's just whether they're willing to pay for anything. Well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, so no. If, if you, they fought the whole time. They fought. So they didn't recognise. They weren't very good. No. I have PTSD from right. the accident, but I actually think it's TAC that gave me the yeah, post-traumatic people, stress people disorder. People commit suicide sometimes if their interactions with work cover and transport yep. accident commission. They are an appalling. The way they behaved is appalling, and mm. uh, even just to think about it actually makes, you upset. makes me really upset. I, yeah, can't, I, yeah. I can't believe it. Mm. So what, you just had to get a lawyer to assist you to deal with them? I did, mm. um, which I came to... Well, this is all getting a little bit personal now. I'm not sure. It's not something I talk about much, but I did come to regret that and I did try to get out of it because I found the whole process was really uh, terrifying and damaging to me, this adversarial process. Yeah, it's an adversarial process. Um, And they didn't, they weren't, I wasn't, they they didn't seem to be helping me to actually Mm. get TAC to pay for treatment. So, um. But they must eventually, if you went to Bethesda for six months, or do you have to pay? No, TAC paid that. Yeah. So obviously they saw the light. Uh, yeah. They have to be dragged usually to court, and then once they're dragged to court. Well, they denied that I had a brain injury for Mm. five years. Yeah. They actually, and they put me through, um, incredible amount of psychological testing mm. and personality testing because mm. they were convinced that I had pre-existing psychiatric problems and That's right. that been, I been had a personality disorder or something. Well, you have a pre-existing psychiatric problem. You're at La Rundel as a medical student. <laughs> That's right. And the fact that I had left medicine yep. pre- meant that I had mm. predisposing issues because yeah, well, no one leaves at. medicine. Well, that's what they look for. They look for predisposing issues. Yeah. And then they don't have a legal responsibility under the Act. Yeah. And, but it can be, as you said, it's, it's exceptionally difficult. And uh, sometimes the actual interaction is worse than the actual original injury. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. So seven years it took you to get over this. Um, well, I still, I still today live with the effects of my brain injury. Like what? Um, what effects? I, I have... Uh, I live with chronic pain. Right. Um, Where's the pain? Because pain is in your brain. Right. Um, <laughs> but where in your body or, or? Yeah, it's throughout my body, but it's okay. in particular joints in my yeah. where where I actually had breaks. Right. And, um, but I also think my system is oversensitised, and right. it, I struggle with um, still with migraines and mm. um, and I'm my brain seems sensitive and fatigue. Mm. Um, and and now I'm forgetting. 
it's all right, Melissa. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, I, yes, I did lose my photographic memory, yeah. but I'm actually that's one of the benefits because photographic memories are completely overrated. I'm oh, actually are. much happier with the average memory I have now. Yeah, I agree. Photographic memories are overrated. Oh, I agree. I'm the guy. I had one once too. <laughs> <laughs> Totally overrated. You know, you read a book in half an hour. What's what's the point? What's the point of buying a bloody book? I know how you feel. I know how you feel. It's a terrible thing. So because I think um, brain injury is not really recognised very well uh, in Australia, or probably anywhere, um, and it's not treated very well, um, uh, I ended up in mental health services, mm-hmm. in a mental health disability program, right. um, which, which was for, for that took me a couple of years to get there because there were after my brain injury things fell apart. Right. You know, you mm. you don't have a job and right. you you can't work anymore. You and lose your friends. Exactly, that's what people forget. When and you get sick, you lose your friends. That's probably one of the biggest mm. problems. Mm. It really, is it's quite dramatic. You become very isolated yeah. and you lose community and you you become like, invisible. Yeah. If you're not there, you're invisible. And people come once. And that, and that leads to a whole lot of mm. other issues, yeah. mental yeah. health issues yeah. and housing issues, a whole mm. lot of issues. Right. Um, and so, yeah, and eventually, you know, and then I found tr- I had a lot of trouble getting housing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was continually getting, I got kicked out of a couple of share houses because I wouldn't, couldn't do the dishes because they, I couldn't literally do the dishes. I didn't know how to do them. Right. Um, yep, yep. So all these things I hadn't. Relearned, so mm-hmm. I worked out I need to relearn things, but right. some things, you know, if you sometimes you learn them and then you forget them again, because mm-hmm. um, doing the dishes is quite a complicated task actually. Right. Um, I'm good at them now. Um, <laughs> uh, Dale, have, have the cups been washed at three CR today? Yes, they have. Ah, oh, well. So you should never do. See, if you can't do dishes, it's yeah. actually quite disempowering. It so is. I'm actually always grateful for the fact that I can do you dishes now. You haven't lived in the type of share houses I lived in in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> we had paper plates. That's outrageous. <laughs> well, who knew about the ecology in the 1970s? I reckon the I would have if I was there what, in the 1970s. 1970, 71? Yeah. Come on. Silent come on. Spring was written in the 50s, wasn't it? Yeah, but who'd read it, you know? But you've got paper you plates. Didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> you never had dishes. Outrageous. <laughs> well, so, so you went into the wrong sharehouse. The ones you went, you went to were pretty clean. You needed to go some really grubby ones. So there was just, a, I suppose, a lack of understanding of the fact that I couldn't. Well, the trouble is, you've much. got what's called a hidden disability. Yeah. You know, you look normal. Yes. Apart from the bright clothes you're wearing. Yes. <laughs> you look totally normal. You haven't got Melbourne black on. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but you look normal. It's, it's very serious because yeah. I deal with people with, um, I mean, there's all types of head injuries, obviously, as you know, there's a whole gradient. But people at the lower end of the gradient who haven't got actually got major physical issues, people think they're just not right. They're crazy. Yeah. You know? Yep. That's right. And mm. then we, we're treated as such. Mm. Um, so I suppose that's how I came to activism again. Again? Again. What happened? So I think it was uh, when I was in the mental health services right. and I was couldn't believe the way that we were being treated. Mm-hmm. And we were not, you know, in some, one place we weren't even allowed to make our own cup of tea because... Yeah. Well, you could burn yourself and you could actually exactly. sue them. Exactly. Mm. Well, we, we, no, we wouldn't have had the wherewithal to sue them, but, you know, we, it was just easier for them to do mm. it. I don't mm. know. And so um, and sometimes, we'd, you know, they'd ask us, you know, 
for feedback and they never paid any attention and I couldn't believe that we had so few rights and I also couldn't believe that no one was standing up and no one else realised that and then I realised that I was in a privileged position because Mm. I had had a life where I knew that I had rights and I knew how to fight for them Mm. Um, and most of these people some of them had come from La Rundle Um, Mm. they were institutionalised and I mean, and the reason I was there was because these people were my community. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anyone else, right. and these people offered me community, yep. and that was wonderful. And they were really interesting people, um, and and also there was great acceptance because I think that's one of the things we completely overlook about the uh, the disability culture. The culture of disability is that um, there's such a great deal of acceptance and embracing of diversity and difference, which mainstream society lacks. Mm. There's a skill right there we need to, inha- you know, yep. gather. Bring together. But um, and so eventually, I was also quite ashamed of my brain injury right. as well. So it took me some time to um, identify mm. as having a brain injury, and then I joined um, an organi- a very little organisation called Brain Injury Matters, which right. is a a self advocacy group. So it's mm. run by and for people with brain injury. Um, and it's around commu- raising community awareness. Are you still in it, that organisation? I am actually still. Uh, do you have a leadership position in it? Um, Are you an office bearer? Well, you see, my anarchist thing, uh, my anarchist t- things go deep. Yes. And so, no, I have never taken up a position because um, uh, I lead from behind. You lead from behind. I'm being yeah. the. I'm always challenging people on right. meeting structure and introducing right. new right. acknowledgements. And, yeah. and you haven't been expelled from this organisation? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> I've been expelled from quite a few disability organisations. I, I know that. I know that. I've um, heard. And it's... Really? Yeah, it's all right, Larissa. <laughs> I hear everything. It's my fear. <laughs> I know everything. Oh, my goodness. That ONG, Professor, oh, my God, you're talking to him now. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you don't have to do much wrong to get um, uh, get qu- kicked out of a disability that's right, service. That's right. I once tried to set up a, um, a, a peer-run quit-smoking group right. at a disability <laughs> service. Whoa! <laughs> and we ran for a while, and yeah. then I was asked to leave. leave. Exactly. Well, they found no. They discovered that the boundary. They reinforced the boundaries because you know if you live yep. Yep. on you know, funding boundaries, and That's they decided right. that I was just outside it's it, so I yeah. couldn't come anymore. No, I can understand that. Um, so, what are you doing these days to keep yourself um, fit? So, uh, I know well, you. I know you had an artistic career, or you've got an artistic career, and you were painting, and because I used to get invitations to come to your yeah. openings, and you'd send me. Oh. Beautiful pictures, and, yeah. and I'd nod and. So I, I want to tell you about the other things, but but I just want to say that my brain injury, unfortunately, it took away my my ability to like music or right. love music or play music. I just sounds very like You're noise. A very fortunate woman. Well, it's very unfortunate for me because it was my big passion. Mm. I think I love music more than anything. Uh-huh. Um, so I still have a lot of grief associated with that. So don't be too mean. Um, and but on the other hand. Um, after my accident, after the brain injury, I suddenly became very interested in what I could see. Yep. And I thought everything looked so interesting. Mm. And that led me to become a visual artist. Yep. Yeah. Mm. So in recent years, like only in the last couple of years, because I've still engaged with the Brain Injury Matters um, group and I've been involved with other um, sort of disability-led groups because I'm very much interested in disability-led practice, 
suppose, politics, mm-hmm. groups, services. Mm-hmm. Not that we have too many. There isn't a lot of disability-led stuff in Australia. Um, and I want to change that because I think that I'm, I'm continually horrified at the way people with disabilities are marginalised and are silenced. And um, we don't think of disability in terms of rights. We see disability as this personal problem. But it's not. It's a social problem. Everybody is going to experience disability at some point in their life, whether it's their own or somebody they know That's right. or getting old. Um, Thank you. That's <laughs> very kind. Of but it's, it's, it's part of the human well, condition. It's, it's part of the human condition. Quite yeah, right. and, and we, you and understand we, that. Yeah, and, we need, and we need, obviously, to uh, embrace, as they say. Yeah, but we don't. We, we, we're terrified mm. of disability. What are you doing? What are you doing? So, well, my latest little thing was to start looking at disability pride. Right. As a concept. Right. So in America, mm. they've been having disability pride marches mm. since 1990, all across the states. And we've never had one here in Australia. You're right. And, well, actually, no, there was a small one last year in South well, Australia organised right. by the MP Kelly Vincent. Right, right. Um, um, but apart from her, <laughs> not none. And so I wanted to um, do something. Good. So recently I've been doing artworks where I've been um, working with some of my peers mm-hmm. uh, and other people with disabilities, all sorts of diverse disability, and making collaborative street artworks around the theme of disability pride. Um, collaborative I, street artworks. What yeah. does that mean in plain English? Okay, so This I've, sounds like a Fitzroy term. Oh, no, see, I live in Footscray. I haven't even been. Oh, it's even my worse. first time in Fitzroy. Oh, it's, yeah. it's just as bad. It starts with F, same <laughs> thing. I mean, uh, what's happened is Fitzroy's got so expensive and gentrified, they're all you mob have moved out to Footscray anyway, so it's the same thing. It's a bit of a concern. It is. Well, as an artist, I was exhibiting in, you know, galleries yep. and trying yep. to sell my work, and yep. then I got a bit jack of that, yep. and I decided to make work and put it in the street. So I'm not really a street artist because I don't really know other street artists and I, it's quite a... So what do you do? What do you do? Well, I started, I, what do I, well, one of the things I do is I do handstands. So 13 years ago, I decided that to do a handstand would cure me. I don't know why I thought this. I don't know mm. how I thought this, mm. but I... I think it was the fact you're in that, you didn't go into that lock ward in Lerundal that you had this idea. Yeah, well, it was five, six, seven years after my brain injury and mm. I... I decided that handstands... I was doing a lot of rehab, so I still had a lot of chronic pain issues and I was doing rehab. So you want, you wanted and the brain gym was to hit boring. The, you wanted the top of your brain to hit your skull again. That's well, what it was. <laughs> no, I just wanted to engage my body uh, and use right, my body okay, and right. in interesting well, how ways. how long did it take you to do a handstand? Oh, it took quite a while. What's a while? So, uh, well, it took about six months of me saying every day, I'm going to do a handstand. Mm. I'm going to do a handstand because I didn't have any strength. And, okay. and then I started... I hang upside down at the park, so I'd already was doing that hanging upside down. Well, the bunky bars. Yeah, yeah. 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 With, well, no, the low bar. Oh, the low bar. So that I could put my hands and on the, the ground because yeah, right, I'm terrified of falling. heights and yeah. falling yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I was really safe. All right. And then I'd let my legs come down. So I was right. like doing a handstand right. and then coming down. But I couldn't work out how to get my legs up. But you can do a handstand now. Yeah, well, eventually I worked it out. All right, and Marissa, then I've been doing one every day. You do one every day. Marissa, we are going to do a first year at 3 Yes, we're going to oh, pull the microphones down. Come on, come on. Let's pull the microphones down here on the floor. It's all right, Dale. It's a running ex- commentary. Ex- She's ex- here you go. she goes. We have a handstand in the studio. Screams. <laughs> Screams. Tell us. I'm doing a handstand in the studio. Yes. yes. Oh. We need a photo. Where is everybody? I'm 
Uh, I can that. confirm. Good. It feels so good. It is. Oh. The blood's rushing to her face. It feels her like eyes just are trying to get the magic right. photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Interview. Interview. Here we are. First for three CR. On the net. <laughs> How's it going? There? Beautiful, thank you. I, Listeners, I actually feel, I feel this, and I'm lying on the ground. How long can you keep this up for? Oh, a couple of minutes. A couple of minutes. That's extraordinary. Here she comes. Down she comes, and she missed me. Now, Larissa, there is a problem. You realise that? How you got to get you up from the floor? Yeah, I've got to get up from the floor. <laughs> extraordinary, extraordinary, mate. Oh, thank you, Dale. She gives me a chocolate. Oh, she's no, I'm giving her a hand up, mate. She, she, she's pretty strong. She's good. I don't, don't think I'll cross her anymore. <laughs> she. Now that was a first here at Three Sierra Handstand in the studio. We have a photo. It will be going up on the net. Dale's going to do that for us. That's fine. That's I've fine. become a little bit known for my handstands now, which is yeah. a bit odd because I still feel a bit. I, I, it's because they're very personal. I do them every day, um, and it's a way of trying to ground myself. It's a way of trying to relieve pain in my back. I, mm-hmm. I, they make me feel good, and there's also about challenging fear as well because it's terrifying to do a handstand still. So when mm. I do one, it's like, oh shit, I did it, fantastic. Well, so you're going around the city of Melbourne doing handstands. So no one ever sees me. So, um, what do you mean? We saw you. Well, yes, because I chose for you to see me. This was a performance. But most of them are not performances. Right, right. They're ways for me to just ground myself and mm. to relieve pain. So I'll do them around the corner or in a right. stairwell, right, right. in a toilet. Secret um, They're secret ones because yeah. they're not – they're just about me – and if I'm crying, because I do a lot of crying right. still, yep. like um, yep. I still experience quite a lot of emotional, the emotional roller coaster of a brain yep. injury. Yep. And uh, it's really a good way when you're crying, do a handstand. Because it's handstand. sort of, yeah. I don't know, it becomes hilarious. Well, at least, <laughs> well, the thing about doing a handstand is at least the tears don't get in your mouth. <laughs> they roll down you. And then you can actually rub them into your hair and you kind of fix oh, yeah. your hair with your tears. I could, Salty yeah. water. Yeah, if, that's right. <laughs> You've done very well. So what do you hope to do in the future? Um, well, I feel like I'm... I think I'm just getting... I want to keep, keep making art. Um, I want to see... I don't... I just want to see where that goes. Um, but I think... I feel like I'm only just getting started around... I think the world needs some disability activists. The right. world needs more. Right. Australia needs more. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I decided to come out as a disability activist um, like a couple of years ago in a public way, probably only a year ago actually, um, because I want to show the way, say to people with disabilities, it's it's okay to be be proud of who you are because there's so much shame. Have you set a date for a disability pride march? Well, um, I haven't quite recovered from my last disability pride event, so I don't know if I've got the time to tell you, but I did a big disability, this big yep. paste up, and yep. it was massive, and yep. it was huge, and yep. it was 40 artists involved, oh, and it was excellent. amazing, Good. and it was designed, it went up in Footscray, and it was part of a Footscray festival, and mm. it was designed to also coincide with International Day of People with a Disability, yep. which was a week later, yep. and on that day, a week later, the council's graffiti contractors came and wiped and removed it. Oh. The same day, the 3rd of December? Yes. Well, actually, it was the day after on the 4th, but, oh, you know. right, yeah. Well, um, it is graffiti. And uh, they left. I'd done artwork on the mm. other side of the building, yeah. so 
which was my handstand pay yep, stops yep. with my walking stick. Yep. So it's also about disability, but it's not overtly about disability. This one was overt because we'd spelt the words out, International mm. Disability Pride, mm. and there were images of people with obvious visible disability, yep. and there were poems about disability and the experience of... of, of um, all gone. And they removed it all. And mm. so I decided that I needed to make this public because this is, yet again... It's so easy to silence and remove the voice of people with disabilities. Mm. And I think those contractors saw this artwork and went, oh, that's not important, even though it was so obviously an artwork. Mm. Um, they went, oh, this is just about disability. It's not important. And mm. I, pro- I, I, I believe it was probably an unconscious bias yeah. that, the, mm. that the rest of society mm. has, that we dismiss people and mm. we see it as not important. It's a tragedy. It's such a shame people have disabilities. Well, Larissa McFarlane, it's been a pleasure <laughs> You're trying to shut me up already. No. I've just got it's going. Time. It's time. We'll <laughs> have to bring you back. Once you organise that Disability Pride March, I want you back with some of the other activists, alright? Yeah. And we'll do three or four interviews simultaneously. So once you've got a date, we want you back. Thank you very much, Dale Breach. Thank you very much, Larissa McFarlane. Thank you, Joe. It has been really um, uh, an honour to be back here talking with you 19 years later. <laughs> well, Larissa, I mean, many things have been said about my interaction with people, but I'll take that's the first time it's, anybody said it's been an honour. So thank you very much. <laughs> All the best in your life in the future, and we look forward to seeing you back here sometime this year once you've organised the march, okay? Okay. And I'm going to participate in it. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of I'll bring my hip problem with me, okay? Yep. Good. Thank you, Larissa. Thank you, Dale.